There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jada, Dundalk and Cavan. Discover the all-new Renault Arcana at Blackstone Motors and get five years warranty and five years roadside assistance. Call us now to arrange a test drive or visit blackstonemotors.ie for more details. When you realise how beautiful life is and how privileged you are to witness the miracles around you, you will tilt your head back and smile gratefully at the sky and say... Thank you, God. Yes, that's our little saying for the month ahead, as is my want. Each first day of the month on the show, I read from my little Divine Word Missionaries calendar that's been sent to me by several people at the start of the year. And lovely little saying there to keep with us as we travel through the month of September. Yes, we're in September. Oh, you can feel the autumn, can't you? You certainly can. A lot chillier this morning and uh, the little drizzle coming back into the air and dampness and shorter days. Oh, Lord, the year is waning indeed. But sure, look, that is the cycle of the seasons and we just roll with them. Welcome to the show this Wednesday afternoon. Coming up a little later, we hear about a beautiful community project in Dunlear where many strands have come together to produce wonderful music. Uh, Chloe O'Neill is with us making an appeal for a family friend who needs life-changing treatment in Russia. Michael Cullen has uh, adapted and published a memoir by his late dad, Matthew, and it's a lovely wee book. He was born and reared in Castle Bellingham. Michael's with us a little bit later on. We're heading to Tokyo. Eve McChrystal will have a word with us. They have Silver herself and Katie George Dunleavy. Gold and silver in the bag already with one more race to come. We'll be talking to Eve on the show after two o'clock today. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, the usual numbers, write them down. Keep them safe. Put them in your phone wherever. 086-1800-658. That's the WhatsApp or text number. Or you can call in an 1850-715-958. Now, my first guest today is the former CEO of the FAI, more recently CEO at Basketball Ireland, who is now turning his hand to a local GAA project in Athboy, where he lives. I'm delighted to say hello again today to Bernard O'Byrne. Hello, Bernard. Hello, Jerry. How are you? Look, I'm going to talk to you about this project that you have in hand. I have to ask you first, uh, you've been in the news, of course, recently, uh, as recent as July. You stepped down from Basketball Ireland following that tweet that's been written about and talked about ad infinitum. Look, do you regret what happened? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was a misjudgment. Uh, It was an attempt at humour. I I saw it, as thousands of people saw it, I'm sure, on their feeds or whatever, and thought it was amusing, and I retweeted it. And, of course, 
it didn't matter for most people to retweet it, but maybe as the head of a sporting organization, I should have understood that it might be misinterpreted. I think 99.9% of people saw that it was a bit of football banter. Um, even if you didn't think it was funny, you know, I don't think anybody saw any harm in it. But but unfortunately, some people did. So really, it just got too messy. I was 10 years, I think, as you said, in Basketball Ireland. So it was an unfortunate way for that all to end. But look, you know, that's life and we we move on and, you know, I, I'm relaxed about it. We, we you know, we, we came to an accommodation. Everything is OK. Would you have liked to have stayed? Did you try to stay? You didn't go for a few days and obviously they talked to you, you talked to them. Did the pressure just become too much in the end? Would it have uh, hindered the progress of Basketball Ireland? It, it certainly would. You know, I was there for 10 years and it, the momentum was great. It was all very positive and... You know, I did have plans to go ahead. To be honest, my contract was up next year, next summer. So I think we all had it in our heads, even though it wasn't spoken about, that that would be my retirement date. So there was a year to go. So it was brought forward a year. Uh, and it was it was sad for me the way it ended. But it would have been a battle every day, Jerry. You know, I, I certainly could have stayed. My legal advice, if you like, was I could have stayed. Uh, but if you had kind of... Uh, any kind of ill feeling either with sponsors or with coaches or with certain players or whatever every day would be a battle and to be honest at this time in my life and whatever I just don't need that type of hassle and it wouldn't have been good for the organisation or good for me if there had been that kind of toxic atmosphere around so we had a chat and you know we 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 uh, we came to an arrangement and that's it but it was an unfortunate way to end what I think were 10 very good years it's a salient lesson, isn't it, for not just for you, but for many as well. Like you've been involved in the world of sport for many years, involved in business for your life, working for yourself, etc. But this world today and this online world, it's vicious. It's absolutely vicious. It's unforgiving. Um, I think it's wrong. I mean, you know, I won't hide behind it. I think it's absolutely wrong the way people can be targeted. And I, I don't think I'm the worst example of it in terms of you know, the impact. I think people's lives have been ruined by this type of thing. Mine hasn't. It it kind of, I'd nearly put it in a kind of an inconvenience or a disappointment to me, but people's lives have actually been ruined by this type of thing. Now, I suppose you could say it's a kind of a generational warning as well. You know, I'm of a generation where, you know, you could kind of say things and you didn't didn't, uh, expect everything to be analysed and also, you didn't expect people to be frightened. You know, it's almost that if you're accused of something, just the accusation drives people into panic mode. Um, so it really is um, an unforgiving place, as you say, and not, not a very nice place. And I, I hope that over the coming years that things will change and, you know, people will get back to a more reasonable way of kind of living with each other and tolerating each other. Mm. I, I wouldn't condone in any way a slight on any organisation or anyone's colour of skin or race or creed or anything, but there is uh, there is a thing out there now that you, in terms of saying what you feel and making a case or taking a stance, um, you could be hounded out of town. You, you, there's not, there's not room. What I'm trying to say to you is, there is no room for you know views. There may be room, but not in that type of world. No, there's. It, it's an oddity, Jerry. I often think that the people who come come after you or come after individuals um, pretend that they are for tolerance and for fairness and whatever, but actually they are the least tolerant of people. Uh, if you don't agree with them. 
uh, they will hound and hound and hound. And they don't have even a particular agenda. They just want the pleasure of taking somebody down or, you know, winning. And then they, they just move on to the next thing. So um, it, it really is not a nice place, not a, not a nice thing. And, uh, you know, it's a costly letter for me, uh, lesson for me. And I would hope people, you know, would, would take it on board um, that it can very easily happen to you and you can mm. be quite innocent and... Uh, Anyway, life goes on, Jerry, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course it does. And and, and you've, I, I'm, I'm smiling, you've uh, spent your time with the soccer fraternity and I know you'll be watching the game this evening, basketball. And now you're picking up this, um, I, I take it it's a passion. You, 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 you want to uh, chart the history of GAA in Athboy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm not coming new to GAA. I, I, I played GAA in soccer going back. 14, 50 years ago up in Dublin, you know, so I've always been a huge, I'm a huge Dub supporter as well, so it's not though I'm just taking up GAA or yeah. whatever, but I know all the lads in uh, in that boy, in Tronagale, in, uh, in, in that boy, and there was just a bit of a conversation two or three weeks ago about, you know, the dangers of losing the history, uh, generally, if you like, of, of places and of events and of clubs uh, because people pass away and nobody has recorded the history and one thing just led to another and we said there's you know there's a huge GAA history uh, in that boy between more recently Clannagale but going back uh, Ratcairn, uh, O'Grownies, uh, Martinstown and probably a couple of other smaller clubs who went by the wayside so wouldn't it be great to kind of go back and speak especially um, you know, to the older people who are still around and who can remember a lot of that stuff, and let's get it down in writing and uh, and publish a book. It's the 20th anniversary of Clonagale next year. 20, they were formed in 2002, but they came together from a heritage of, of all these other uh, clubs that were around the area. So um, that's what we're trying to do, and uh, Clonagale are obviously totally uh, in support and. Uh, they're asking all their members and past members if they've any photos or just even if you just want to have a general chat with me, um, that'd be great. And, and we'd see what we can do. Yeah, they are a young club. You know, the the current incarnation, when you mentioned 20 years, it's a short time in the lifespan of any club. But the history goes way back. And you mentioned some of the, the earlier incarnations there. So that's what you're looking to do. You're looking to join the dots from as early as you can right through and bring it right up to date with the current club. And I'm sure, Bernard, you know, there are lots of people out there, you know, stuck in a drawer in a box somewhere in the attic, may have articles, pictures. That's who you're looking to get to. That's who I'm looking to get. And so far i've been let's say working on it now for about three weeks and so far the earliest reference i have is 1840 mm. so that's a long way to go back you know uh, mm. there's a reference in the draw the independent of that boy playing a game against ratmore in 1840 so, so so far that's the kind of starting point but you're dead right and some of the people that i've already met they have wonderful pictures you know that they haven't actually shared with anybody else except their family and I, I, I think people would be absolutely delighted to, to see some of these photographs. And mm. some of them are in amazingly good quality. Um, so, yeah, I, it, it's a great project and it's a, it's a kind of a, a community project um, where we're just inviting, even if they're not now involved in, in, in the GA clubs or mm. whatever, 
uh, just get in touch with us and we'll do the rest, you know. Uh, and it's uh, time limited as well because you have a focus. You've got to get it done for next year to mark the 20 years of the club, which is good to have that deadline facing you. So, look, people listening today, at Boy GAA, the history of it, anything to do with it, any little smidgen at all would be welcome. What's the easiest way for people to touch base with you? Well, my email is, uh, is bjoburn at uh, hotmail.com. Yep. Um, and it's uh, on my mobile. I'm happy to give it out. It's 087-7646-141. Great. And if they haven't got that, if they just check on the Facebook page of Clonagale, there's more telephone numbers on there as well. Mm. And uh, it, it's all written there. They can they can come to us. Mm. I'm sure. I'm sure they're delighted. You know, a willing a willing soldier, Bernard. You know, <laughs> to do something like this, they don't fall out uh, from the heavens or, or down from trees now yeah. very often. I have to try. You have to keep myself out of mischief. You will. Yourself, you, know? you will. You will. You will. Look, while you're honoured, me, and I'll repeat those details in a minute. It, it's a big night for Irish soccer. And yeah. I know you still, of course, follow uh, the goings on as well. Uh, Ireland and Portugal. We've lost twice already to Serbia and yeah. Luxembourg in this group, and we're going into the Lions Den tonight to a Ronaldo-led uh, Portugal and a very, what would you say, makeshift Irish team. Stephen Kenny. You know, like the the pressure is amazing on that man yeah and I think it really calls to arms you know genuine Irish supporters to to support Stephen and support the lads I think anybody who knows anything about football knows that you know in terms of the cycle of football where you have good teams and then they pass on and you have you know weaker we're, we're kind of we're in a I hate using the phrase transition but we you know we certainly haven't got a really strong team but I think, you know, I never see them anybody going out not trying and not doing their best. I wouldn't be surprised if we put in a really good performance. And, you know, uh, it might be 2-0 or 3-0 or something. But I don't see us going out here tonight and getting beaten 5 or 6-0. You know, Irish teams don't do that. But, you know, there's a pride in the, in the jersey. And some of these lads are quite good. They're, they're a bit raw. They, they're, they're young or whatever. But... Stephen has a has a has a great record as a manager as well. So these are the times when you want to support the team and wish them best. It's easy enough when we're all flying back into Jack Charlton years and we have all you know very very good players. You know if you're a real supporter now is the call to arms. And you know just to pass a remark about that boy, the tie with that boy tonight is because Jamie McGrath is in the squad. Yes. So we'd be delighted. I haven't seen the team. I don't know whether it's been announced, but I hope that you know there's an at boy. Uh, footballer on on the pitch tonight as well. Oh, that would be uh, a real uh, touch of deja vu with us speaking today and that boy in focus. Wouldn't yeah. it be lovely if, if he played this evening? Yeah. If you like, put yourself back in your shoes when you were CEO and you have uh, you know the direct link with the manager and maybe times are not so good. Um, do you stay? Do you stick? You know what I mean? Do, do we need to stick with Stephen no matter what comes or goes over the next year or two? Well, my short answer would be yes. And, you know, my reasoning would be you know, is there some guru out there that we'll appoint next week and he'll come in and he'll start winning all the matches, you know, with the same players? I, I, I don't think so. You know, I, is there a, a genuine fault that we see in Stephen Kenny? I don't think so, you know. Uh, and as I, you know, I'm not as gloomy as everybody else about tonight. I honestly think we'd probably, we probably will get beaten, but I think we could very well put in a very good performance. And... Uh, you know, as I say, we need to support. This is this is the time you need to support the guys. Just before you leave me, I, I'm coming back. I know I spoke to you at length here before about this. You were CEO, and subsequently, of course, uh, John Delaney had a long uh, term. 
uh, contract there with the FA as well. He's gone now and we see the state that Irish football has been left in and uh, nearly daily now there are different things coming out that happened during that time that don't make for good reading. And But for the generosity of the government, the banks, uh, UEFA, FIFA, well, football could have absolutely collapsed in this country. Just going back to your time and, you know, the doubt about the uh, Aviva Stadium and the FAI's role there and our ability to remain as a partner with rugby. Your baby was Aircom Park. Do you honestly think when you sit here today and think back, would you prefer to see Aircom Park go ahead? Oh, absolutely. Aircom Park was the salvation of Irish football. It, it just, there was a window there, Jerry, of economic uh, opportunity. Um, it, it was a great project, and I'm not saying that just because uh, maybe I headed it up. You know, we had Deutsche Bank in it, we had IMG involved in it, we had really serious people, and it was it that was the chance. Uh, and unfortunately, I don't want to make political points or whatever, but unfortunately, we had a Taoiseach who wanted to build some abomination. Uh, called the Verti Bowl, mm. and it never made any sense, and it completely collapsed shortly afterwards. If we'd have gone with Aircom Park, um, and that train had left the station a long time, I've no doubt that um, we would have been in a far better place. Um, but look, it's 20 years ago, Jerry. I, I still get people stopping me in the street in Navan or, or wherever and wanting to have a chat, and I'm always glad to have a chat, but it's hard to believe, you know, it's 20 years ago when we looked at that, you know. Mm. So I think you just have to let it go and move on. But yes. We are in a bad space. But look, I, I've, I know some of the, the new people that have come in, and I know that they... They have the game at heart, but really they're dealing with a lot of problems at the moment. They certainly are, and uh, more, I'm sure, to hear on that story as time goes by. Anyway, Bernard is working on behalf of that boy, GAA and its history. Clannagale is the present club. Do you know anything, or have you anything in terms of newspaper write-ups, publications, pictures, anything to do with that boy, GAA, going back to Martinstown, Rathcarn, O'Grownies, uh, you know, 1840 is the earliest. Let Bernard know. BJOBurn at Hotmail.com. That's BJOBurn at Hotmail.com. And it's number 87 and we have those details of our usual numbers here Bernard wish you well Thank you Jerry. always a pleasure Take care of yourself that's uh, Bernard O'Byrne there joining me today on the show on a range of topics what about Ireland tonight Portugal any predictions Bernard says they'll lose but not by too much if you have anything to say about the game of the future of football or anything else besides 086-1800-658 WhatsApp or text me to the show I don't know what put this into me head folks but something did and uh, it, it just made me smile because I remember well when it was flying high in the charts do you remember the year? Do you remember the year this one was a biggie? if you do 086-1800-658 WhatsApp or text me The striped jacket of true love's fine Bang, bang If you're Houdini in your spare time Bang, bang Bang, bang, the mighty B.A. Robertson And bang, bang Margaret says, what the hell is that? Never heard anything like it before. Thankfully, oh, Margaret, come on out of that. Fantastic. 
Number two in the charts, June 1979. It was just kept off the number one spot for a number of weeks. B.A. Robertson there from his third album, a hit single for him. And yes, 77, several of you say 78. But you know what? Liam, yes, it is 79. And there are more there, 79s as well. 1979, June, that one riding high in the charts. B.A. Robertson and Bang Bang. And talking about Bang Bang, it's Bang Bang in Tokyo because Bang with Silver, Bang with Gold for Katie George Dunleavy and Eve McChrystal and Eve is joining us after news and weather it too. I can just picture it, Angela. Angela's been in touch. Jeepers, Jerry, I've given it socks here in the kitchen to B.A. Robertson. Celine's been in touch to say, well, Jerry, I haven't heard that song in ages. It brings back so many memories. Thanks for playing it. Thanks indeed for your comments to us on the show this afternoon. Keep them coming. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Well, I need not remind you that Paralympics are in full flight in Tokyo. In fact, into the closing stages now. It'll all be wrapped up uh, come next weekend into early next week. And we've been doing fantastic in the medal hall we have so far. And leading the way are Katie George Dunleavy and our own Eve McChrystal with silver and gold. And I'm delighted to say Eve McChrystal is on the line from Tokyo. Hello, Eve. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, we are delighted to have you. We had to have second best yesterday. We had Brother Brian on. Jeez, I hope he's not listening. I hope he's not listening. He'll kill me. Anyway, we had the McChrystal family on yesterday and they were all just so excited and delighted. Well, you must be on cloud nine yourself and Katie George. Oh, absolutely, Jerry. Like, I was speaking to you from Mallorca, I think, the last time. Yep. and We were just in full training mode at that time. And, yeah, I just think... You know, when it all comes together on the day, it's just the perfect moment, really, isn't it? So, yeah, we are absolutely over the moon. <laughs> now, you did tell me from a York, and I reminded listeners of this when you picked up the silver. You did say to me that the first two events you didn't expect, but that the second two were the ones you were really going for gold in. That silver was remarkable. I know, and I suppose the reason why, you know, I do say that is because Ireland doesn't have a velodrome. So we, you know, we didn't have access to a velodrome for, with when COVID hit for a year and a half, for 18 months. Mm. So I didn't get on the velodrome until June. Yeah. So, you know, you don't, ex- obviously you have to train mm. to, to win a medal. And we were training, but there's only so much you can do off the road to prepare for, for the velodrome. And look, that was just a phenomenal ride by both of us. Mm. <laughs> That's that's a shocker, really. That one that came together <laughs> on the day as well. But oh, when I say shock, we came in ready for all of this, and we were prepared for every event. But the velodrome just really. That was just amazing. <laughs> mm, turn up for the books. So you have the silver and the gold. By God, uh, Katie George and yourself, you weren't letting go of that title. No, no, definitely not. And that was the one that we really wanted because we were going in as Paralympic champions from Rio. Um, but I suppose we didn't put too much pressure on ourselves either because, like, the world moves on. Everybody steps up. You know, when you're coming to the Paralympic Games, you expect everybody to be in their best form and ready to deliver a Paralympic gold performance. So, you know, you can only control yourself on your, on your way to the Games. And we said we, we wanted, both of us, that we would do, hopefully, get the best ride out of ourselves. And if that was gold, well, amazing. And if it wasn't, we would have been happy with 
the ride that we knew we could do. But you can't control what anybody else does in the day. So we were just lucky there was nobody faster. <laughs> mm. Do you know what I want to say to you? I watched you both as the Irish flag went up and Aron Naveen plays. And honestly, I get a lump in my throat. I do. And the hair stands on the back of my yeah. neck when I see the tricolour raised at any games by anybody to win a gold. It must be something else to be that person that's won the medal or the persons that have won the medals. I know, I can't describe it. And it just, you know, we had it in Rio and we've had it again. And it just, it just hits the pit of your stomach. And I think you just, you know, when you're listening to it, you just get the flashback of, of all the hard work and the sacrifices that we have made to get there. And then that flag for me is raised to kind of a nod to my children that have left so many times that for the rest of their lives, their lives they're going to have their mother that has done this so for me that's just for them you know that they, hopefully I'm, I made them and my family proud I think I have <laughs> Oh yes, you certainly have and, and Brian was telling us you had a wee emergency was it with Nessa with the broken wrist I know yeah that was after I didn't obviously didn't realise that my family decided not to tell me um, it was just the morning well it would have been the evening for yourselves the for the race on the the three k in the velodrome, and it was only when I finished the race I got a message. Well, she rang me, <laughs> and she said she was on her way home from the hospital, so I just nearly died. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> but she's fine. She's a trooper and strong as an ox, and she's fine. Yeah, yeah and we have to mention Ava as well. The two of them are so proud yeah. of you. They they really are. And listen, the mammy got some shout out yesterday from Brian Francis. We better mention her again today. She is the back bone of Team McChrystal, isn't she? Oh, she did. I believe she was sitting in Dundalk having a glass of Prosecco <laughs> on me, so <laughs> she really is. And, like, you can't do it without your family and the support no. of your family. You, you just, you can't do it. Mm. I wouldn't be here without the support of my family. Mm. It's as simple as that. So, for them, like, thank you so much. I love you so much and I can't wait to get home to celebrate with you all. So, yeah, only only for them. I wouldn't be here today, that's for sure. Oh, be God, you'll have me going here again and everybody listening, never mind talking about the tricolour with lovely words like that. But let me ask you on a serious note. You're a veteran, both of you, of, of Olympics uh, at this stage. Is there a massive difference uh, with the COVID situation from when you think of Rio and previously as well? Oh, there is, but we're just kind of used to the new normal now for, for us. Um, like, there was no crowds there yesterday. There wasn't really, you know, we had our own atmosphere. I didn't really miss the crowds as such, t- to be honest with you. I was just so focused on what we had to do. Um, we didn't, the cycling is in a completely separate part in Tokyo, so we're not part of the Paralympic Village. So that's kind of weird in itself. Mm. So it really is like a glorified World Championships because it's only cycling that's here. So we haven't been part of that, but hopefully maybe we'll, we'll get to the Paralympic Village for the closing ceremony and that would be amazing. But I think we, we just got used to the COVID protocols now and it's just part of, we have to do a test every single morning. It just has become part of our day. Mm. And you just kind of, you roll with it, don't you? And just get through it. So hopefully we'll, we'll all be at the end of it pretty soon yeah and that's the hope even though you know you'd wonder with cases and you're probably aware they're quite high here even though we are looking at mid September now and into October with uh, getting back to near normal but look I'm thinking about you know in previous games I suppose it's no different for you athletes because you're committed you have your regime you have your focus people think you know they're out there so they're probably enjoying downtown Tokyo was it ever like that in Rio or you know you're in this bubble aren't you 
You are. And in Rio, you're, you're in your bedroom and you don't leave that bedroom unless you're going to go on your bike. Now, luckily for us, our sport involved us having to go outside. But some athletes, their sport didn't involve them having to train outside and they didn't get out. Mm. So at least, you know, we had training. You had to go at certain times of the day and you had to do a certain route mm. and you couldn't veer off that route. Mm. But we got to see, we were in the holding camp in Masuda and we got to see Masuda and it was absolutely the most amazing experience I've ever had and the people were so, so nice. Mm. So we kind of got that, you know, that feeling of, oh, they were clapping on the side of the road and, oh, everybody waved at you. So that was amazing for us. But, yeah, I, I don't know, because as, a, as an athlete, obviously, like, athletes are very selfish when we're kind of in our own heads, you know, getting ready for, for race day. And until race day is over, we don't relax. Mm. So nothing really has changed. You don't yes. leave your bedroom unless you're going to eat yes. or train and then yes. you come back to the bedroom. So, yeah. yeah, what I'm trying to get at, you know, it, there's not much of a change. Yes, the testing, yes, the restrictions, but that bubble, that that focus and everything applies whether there's COVID or not COVID. Yes, exactly. Oh. 100% correct. Uh, now, uh, the people, and you mentioned the Japanese people, and I've heard this from elsewhere as well. I believe they are so welcoming, so kind, so gracious. The nicest people I've ever met in my life. Every car, every driver, every passenger of every car that passed us waved. There was a car ahead of us that had um, each um, resident along our route were told our training times and they all stood out from the house every single day and waved mm. with mm. Irish flags. <laughs> Isn't that just I lovely? couldn't get over it. I went around Masuda for a week with my mouth wide open. They were the <laughs> nicest people I've ever met in my life. Home from home with the tricolours. I'm this when I land. <laughs> yes. When I go back to Dundalk that everybody's going to wave at me. Are you listening? Are you listening? <laughs> joking. You know, no, I'm not joking. I'm saying it. Dundalk, come on. The tricolours got to be out there. And the welcoming party. It will, it will, it will. I know they will. Oh. Anyway, the, the other... <laughs> the other thing is, you know, you've three done, you have another one to do. Temperatures are ferocious. I take, you know, hydration, diet, all that type of thing is critical. Yeah, well, we were ready for that. The humidity and the heat didn't affect us at all yesterday because our coach, Neil, had us in the heat chamber from last February. Right. So we have done heat and humidity training last February in the Institute of Sport every single week. And if I wasn't there, I was in my bathroom and I had a the kettle boiling and the heat turned on so we were ready for that yesterday and it didn't affect us at all well so done I think with the rain is forecast for our road race so that might be interesting mm, <laughs> but well, we're used to rain in Ireland aren't we yes you are indeed both of you are well accustomed to it what What are your thoughts ahead of the 3rd of September isn't it the 3rd the final event Third, yeah I, I just you know I can't wait Katie loves to road race I love to time trial. Now, she loves to time trial as well. I love to time trial. She loves to road race. Mm. So it's, it's a good combination. But yeah, we're just, look, it doesn't really matter. Whatever happens, happens. Obviously, we're going to go and try and do the best we can. If we get a medal on the back of it, amazing. Mm. But I'm just really going to enjoy the road race. There's no pressure on us whatsoever. That is the great part. It really is that yeah. the pressure is off. You have to in the bag. What will be will be now at this stage and hopefully okay. that will aid you going round in the competition itself. I, I take it you're aware when you're talking to the girls and people back home and that uh, you know, we're so proud of you back here. The coverage is fantastic and we're waiting every day to see you know what will turn up in terms of medals and it's been great besides yourselves. My God, it's been so encouraging, hasn't it? 
It has, hasn't it? Haven't the women really stepped up? Yes. <laughs> you know, really, again. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, look, it's been a great campaign. It's not, as you said, it's not over yet. So, mm. hopefully, there'll be there'll be more in the bag before everybody wraps up on the 3rd mm. of September. So, when, are, just to, to finish off then, when are you out of there? You're heading to the closing cemetery. When will you be uh, catching the flight back? We're not sure, actually. Would you believe that? That's still in negotiation. So okay. I, th- I think we're home on the 7th, but I'm not. Yes. That's, nothing is confirmed yet. That's COVID again. You yeah. know, that's just yeah, it changes course. daily. Yeah, of yeah. course, you're going to have to deal with that. So, and you'll be coming both back into Dublin with the team. and the, Oh, that's going to be fantastic. And then onward yeah. up the M1 to the hometown as well with medals onward. in tow. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. You've that to look forward. I'm sure the girls are dying to see you and give you a hug. And you them as well. Oh, I can't wait to see my kids. I can't. It's five weeks. I, I just, my heart is going to burst. I can't wait to see them. Mm. I really can't. I miss them so, so much. I'm sure. I'm sure. It's a hell of a sacrifice. It's a hell of a commitment. And you've done it over such an extended period of time. But you've brought wonderful joy and honour and happiness to your family, to your town, to the county, to the country. Believe me, both of you. And pass that on, please, to Katie George as well. I know you're uh, the local link here, but there's the Perrier. She's the, uh, the athlete. You guide the bike with her and you're a team and a wonderful team together. But do pass on our congratulations to her from everybody. And we wish you both well in the final event and look we will we'll chat when you get back Eve. Brilliant Jerry and can I just say finally before you let me go can I say thank you to everybody who has sent me messages I, my phone mm. is on fire <laughs> thank you to every single person who has wished me well and has said congratulations thank you so much to my family you all know who you are I just can't wait to see you all and thank you so so much I really appreciate it and I really appreciate you joining me on late lunch this afternoon Eve you're a star thank you so much and best wishes for the remainder of the games thank you Jerry. take care yourself God bless that's Eve McChrystal there uh, full of the joys and again congratulations to Katie George Dunleavy and Eve McChrystal on their wonderful wonderful success at the Paralympics hope to get a third medal I hope they get a third I hope it's gold but even if it was a bronze think they'd have gold silver and bronze wouldn't it be something but they're going for gold those girls they only go for gold they're committed dedicated brilliant athletes and we are so proud of them you're with late lunch on LMFM radio this Wednesday afternoon welcome to the show if you're just joining us if you're listening on your smart speaker don't forget the app either the LMFM app download it you can listen to us anywhere you go and we're online always as well at lmfm.ie coming up shortly on the show Michael Cullen is joining us his dad Matt uh, was born in Castle Bellingham lived there as a youngster went away came back they'd be well known around the village in their day well his dad passed away but Michael has completed a lovely memoir he's edited it and published it now and we're going to be talking about it after half past two on the show did you see that uh, story it interested me because I take statins every day Lipitor I would call it as well but statins they are is the uh, generic term for the range of drugs to keep my cholesterol down um, and you know you've got to take it every day I take an aspirin as well and a little thing for the blood pressure be God I'll be rattling shortly but anyway you've got to take these daily and make sure you take them every single day because it's not good to be hit and miss when you're taking medication like that but my ears pricked up when I heard about this new drug that's come out it's called 
called Inclycerin. It's called Inclycerin is the name of it. And um, it's it means you won't have to take the statin every day. You get a jab in January, say, and you get another one in June. And that does you for the year. It deals with the cholesterol. Isn't that something else now? It really is. Uh, and they're waxing lyrical about this. There's going to be an awful lot of people it'll be recommended for. Some people are allergic to statins. People forget to take them. That's the biggest thing about it. But if you, I'm just thinking about it. I'd be interested in that. Get a jab in January and one in the middle of the year and you don't have to think about it then throughout the year. And of course, there's people listening thinking, I won't take a jab for anything. Sure, I won't take a jab for the COVID. Why would I take a jab for this? Well, I'll take it. I'll tell you that. I'll take it. That's for sure. But anyway, watch this space. It's on the way. It's been approved. It's been rolled out in the UK. And I'm sure there's moves afoot here as well. Twice a year, you don't have to think about the statin every single day. And remember that. People talk about medications and drugs. Heart disease is the biggest killer in the world. And statins have saved millions and millions of lives. They have. And uh, they've made money for companies that produce them, of course. And there's been exclusives on them. And eventually they become cheaper because that exclusivity uh, dies and wears out with time. But, uh, you know... I'm pro-science, I'm pro-medicine, I'm pro-vaccination, despite all I am pro, and I'll say that here clearly again today on the show. Now, Eve McChrystal, wasn't she in great form? And I want to dedicate this next song to Katie George Dunleavy and Eve McChrystal, because you know something? They both have good hearts. Virgil Sharkey, 1985, UK number one. First single from the album with the title Fergal Sharkey. Still as great today as ever. And I think there are more people with good hearts in the world than the other type. I'm right, aren't I? I am right. Yeah, God bless the good hearts in the world today. Anyway, Fergal Sharkey brightening up a Wednesday afternoon on Late Lunch. And Fergal Sharkey, by the way, he follows a passion I have pursued since I was a child. He's an angler and a fly fisherman and a good one at that. And I'm nearly sure he has his own fishery now in the UK uh, that he's developed himself. But he's passionate about it. He really is. Good man, Fergal. Give me a shout and I'll go for a day's fishing whichever you're ever looking for somebody to throw a line in your company and you don't even have to sing for me. But we'll catch a few throughout. I promise you, Fergal. Anyway, that's Fergal Sharkey on Late Lunch. A short break coming up and afterwards, Michael Cullen is joining me beautiful memoir called A Leaf in the Wind and it's his father's memoir that he's just recently published We're going to talk for the next while about a posthumous memoir by Matt Cullen that's been adapted, edited and published by his son Michael It's a lovely book, it's called A Leaf in the Wind and Michael joins me on the line Hello Michael Uh, Good afternoon Jerry. Listen, this is beautiful. It really is about an Ireland that's past of the 20th century and it's been captured beautifully. I have to ask you this because this has puzzled me. He wrote this himself. Where has it been? It's 20 years since he passed away. Is it 30 years? 30 yeah, years. Yeah, well, the, the, it was, the, the book is actually based on my father's um, manuscript, which he compiled. Now, a lot of that manuscript was was sort of dedicated to his recollections of um, the early years in, in Ireland in the last century. So we're yeah. talking about, you know, the, the the rising through to the War of Independence and then on to the Civil War and the truce and so on. Mm. Um, 
And what happened was he, he wrote the book. He actually wrote the, the, the manuscript when he was down in Mount Mellory, you know, down in Capricorn, yes. in Waterford, with the Cistercian, the Cistercian um, uh, College down there. And uh, he, uh, he spent some years doing it on and off. He would go down there and, and in the quietness of, of the monastery down there, he would, he would write his, up, up his manuscripts. But the problem, Jerry, was that a lot of it was t- tended to focus overly on, on that period in Irish history. Mm. And there wasn't really enough about his own personal life, which, as you've already um, alluded to, was, was quite a colourful one. Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, he gave it to a publisher at the time. And uh, the woman said that, listen, it's a, it's a nice story, but you know what? The, you know, Dorothy McArdle and people like that have written extensively about that period in Irish history. Mm. Uh, what we'd like to know, Matt, is more about your story, because we know that you've got an interesting story to tell. Mm. And 30 years on from his passing, here it is now. You've done a fine job with it. Castle Bellingham, like you're, you're on home turf here today, talking to myself and the village is alive and vibrant and well. That's where he was born. That's where his early life was formed. That's where he was born and then he spent his, his first few years there, you're right. And, um, you know, there's always been that link with Castle Bellingham. My aunt was was the uh, postmistress there for many years, Carrie. Mm. And so a lot of people up there uh, well, that are still alive may, may remember her. or remember her from, 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 uh, from stories and that because, as say, you know, the postmistress, postmistress in rural Ireland <laughs> uh, was a very important person yes. up to the time of the automation. Um, but, uh, yeah, he spent his, he spent his first few years there in uh, Castle Bellingham and then he moved to Dublin uh, with his family uh, to a place in Portobello near where the Jewish synagogue was there. Yes. Um, and uh, then the period, of course, then things went awry when his father died suddenly, you know. He was only 38, his dad, when he passed away. There were four children and uh, mum was pregnant with number five as well. So they beat a retreat then. They still had the place in Castle Bellingham, moved back there then. Yeah, they had the house. Fortunately, they did. But, Jerry, they were left destitute in terms of mm. you know, finances and that. And that's unfortunately the reason why they all, the ones that were of an age, were sent were sent into uh, orphanages and um, yeah. convents. You know, yeah. Uh, which was, I, I think, from my my research on the book, uh, it was quite prevalent in those days because there was no state support, unlike today. There was no, there weren't any supports to help people who were who were left destitute for yes. whatever reason. You know, mm. and, and 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 the story early in the book is gripping. Where as a young boy, he 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 had to. There was no choice. There was no money. They would have starved. He was sent to Saint Saviour's Boys Orphanage in Dublin, a Dickensian place, and he bloody well hated it. But tell the tell our listeners. He escaped. He left and made his way back to Castle Bellingham, and the way he did it. Yeah, that's right. After four years or so, he was. Uh, he decided he had had enough, and uh, at the age of ten or so, he was. Uh, he decided he'd make a quick escape, which he did one morning, and uh, he he left from Denmark Street, which is in the inner city uh, of Dublin, and he made his way over to the north side, knowing that he, if he could make his way to the railway line, uh, which he did. So he he. He made his way over towards uh, Malahide, you know, Scary's direction, mm. that way. And he was able to follow. He was cute enough. Um, he was, he, you know, he showed a lot of ingenuity for his age because he, he followed the railway line right to, from there to, right to Castle Bellingham. And, uh, My and that's how he made it home. You know, mm. over a period of two or three nights, he had to 
sleeping, you know, rough, obviously, on the, on the side of the road in haystacks or whatever he can find comfort. Mm, what a journey that was for the, for the child. But look, at it never stopped him because he, he then spent his school days in Loud. But, you know, skipping on through it, I want people to get this book and read it. It's a lovely story. New York and the Roaring Twenties. Your dad was there. That's right. He went over there and uh, he had. it was a passion of his for a long time, obviously, in boyhood and that he wanted to you know, make his way over to, to the great America, as, as it was in those days. Um, and he uh, he managed to be able to save up enough money and uh, made, made his way over there. But he didn't stay as long as he wanted to. I mean, he had a, he had a good time, and he worked in a department store in, in in downtown Manhattan. And he had a good social life, although he, 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 was, he was keen on athletics, even from that age. Uh, so therefore, he didn't want to overdo it, you know, going downtown Manhattan at night time and... and uh, the bars and all that stuff, but he um, he got a d- job in, in a department store, and it was actually it was funny because the the man that he gave it, gave him the 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 job was actually on the other side of the fence when it came to the um, the Civil War, you know, mm. and I, it was it was very encouraging that at least enmity had been had been dispensed with, and uh, mm. they uh, they were able to to get on behind, and he was uh, he really enjoyed his time there. But he personal problems uh, occurred then a few years into his, his stay in New York. And he had to come back um, back to Ireland, which it, it turned out actually was fortuitous because it really it put him in a very strong position in terms of his own, you know, his own career and his, his yeah. interest in athletics. And he went on to run for Ireland on a, on a number of occasions. Mm, he was a hell of an athlete, a fine golfer as well, and a sea swimmer all year round, which has come back, as you're probably well aware, since the pandemic. Sure, everybody's out in the sea uh, at the minute, but your father was a, a trailblazer with that. So an all-round sportsman. And he, you mentioned that department store he worked in Manhattan. He had his own shops, men's uh, wear shops in Dublin and Dockey. That's right. He had a drapery shop in in the main street in Dunleary. Dunleary, sorry, yeah. Yeah, Dunleary, just outside Dublin, eight miles out. It's, it's a bit like Castle Bellingham is to, uh, yes. to Dundalk. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he had, a, he had a department store, uh, sorry, drapery store there, and then he had a drapery store in in the main street, in Castle Street in Dorky, uh, both at the same time. And then he bought uh, he bought into a hotel. I was in the hotel at the time. It was kind of like a guest house. Uh, it was called the Cullimore Lodge, which is on Cullimore Road, they're both spelled differently, by the way. Mm. Um, but uh, he then decided that the hotel business was for him. So he had got, he'd, we'd had a guest house down in, down in Delgany in County Wicklow in a place called Struan Hill. And he then decided that he wanted to get something a little bit more substantial. So they bought, a, they bought a, the hotel, the, the guest house stroke hotel in, in Dorky, the Cullimore. Mm. You know, he had so many strings to to his bow, he was on the Fianna Fáil National Executive, he had a big interest in politics, he was a Dublin city and local county council. This man really packed it in in his lifetime. But I was mentioning Fergal Sharkey there just before you came on that he's a keen angler like myself. And I love this quote in the book. I just want to read it for listeners because I think this just sums up anglers. Uh, and it's a saying, it says, it's either so bad you can't fish or so good you can't catch fish. And I think, you know something, that still applies today, Michael. It does indeed, yeah. <laughs> you love the fishing over there. And uh, you go over to places like Pontoon Bridge over yes. in uh, County Mayo. and Loch Conn. Yeah, and Loch Conn and Loch Cullen. Mm. It's not spelled the same way as our name. But yes. C-U-L-L-I-N. But he loved all that type of thing. He used to bring people around, you know, with tour guides for his job with Bud Falsha. 
Mm. Now Fall to Ireland, as you probably know. Yes. And he guided people around the country and anglers especially and I should we know Duffer's fortnight, the Mayfly time, when people would just fish for that couple of weeks in the year and he was in the middle of this as well. I'd say he was a great raconteur. Oh yeah, apparently he did. I didn't see much of it because I'm the youngest of yeah. these, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, apparently he was a great man for, for uh, a sing along and uh you know, uh, he played the piano and uh he he always loved a, a bit of uh a bit of a party and a bit of a, just a, you know he's he's a very convivial character and, mm. Uh, mm. I suppose that you know, that would have helped along the way you know mm. and you know it brings home to you this book it hammers home if you read it you know you know where we are today how this country has changed so much for the better of course but there's things you'd be moan as well in life and the joys and simplicities and how things were do you know what I'm talking about you probably yes, understand yeah. what I'm you do because yeah. you have his memoirs yourself and been through them in even more depth than this book you know sure oh there's huge contrast there Jerry. you're very right um, you're very correct in, this, in what you say because uh, there was it was when you were poor in Ireland back back in the start of the last century. You 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 really were poor. Um, there was no there was no escape from it. And uh, you know we've moved on so radically in the, in the last. You know I think I suppose particularly since the period of uh, Sean Lemass and uh, you know uh, uh, Whitaker and so on. And that whole period you know developed brought Ireland into a, a whole new dimension and uh, obviously gave us a. A part, you know, a more worldwide role and a more, much mm. more mature role in, in in the world. But as you say, it, life was life was quite a quite an ordeal and quite a challenge. It was, and, and you know, for uh, back to the local before we finish the the name Castle Belling. I don't want to give it away. People should just get the book and understand w- what the name was and where that came from, and all associated with that is explained very well in the book. And it is a lovely book for uh, people in this neck of the woods. Where is this book available from? Well, um, at the moment, I've been uh, trying to get involved with the bookstores. Yeah. And, uh, that that's a, a bit more complex mm. than than I thought it would be, but mm. uh, I know that uh, fr- your friend Tom Muckin up in Carroll's Bookshop in Dundalk yes. is keen to get copies and okay. stock some copies in the next in the coming days. So hopefully, people from around Dundalk, Drogheda, and all around Castle Bellingham will will be able to to buy a copy there. And secondly, they can they can look at uh, my uh, my website, which is uh, aleafinthewind.ie, um, and they can if they wish they can buy 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 the book through. Um, to, to the site there. Yeah. Mm. And we've a lovely bookshop, I can tell you as well, and she's great independent in Southgate, just on the south side of Drogheda. I'll send you on the information after the show as well and That'd have a chat with her there. You know what I mean? Because uh, we have to support local and it's exactly. you've done a great job. I have to say, you've done a wonderful job in bringing this together and your father, I'm sure, is smiling down on you for bringing him uh, to life again these 30 years later since he passed with this book called A Leaf in the Wind, an Irishman's memoir adapted and edited by Michael Cullen about Matt Cullen. I wish you well with it. I thoroughly enjoyed it and a good success going forward with this book. Thanks very much, Jerry. Not at all. Thank you for joining me on the show. That's Michael Cullen there. It's a beautiful wee book. It really will. It'll bring it down memory lane. Anyone around the Castle Bellingham area remember the postmistress there, the Cullens? Would you like a copy of this book? If you have links, if you're in Castle... I want to give it to somebody in that area that maybe has memories of that time as well. I have a copy to give away. If you want to call in and tell Karen who you are, that's all you have to do today. If you'd like the book, just tell me that you're Castle Bellingham direction and you have a link to it.
I don't want to ask a question. I just want to give it away. It's lovely. You'll love this book, A Leaf in the Wind. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show, 1850-715-958. Pick up the phone and call. Chloe O'Neill sent me a message. She said, it just opens with these words, I'm a woman on a mission. Well, she is on a mission and she's ours for the next while on the show. Hello, Chloe. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Tell me about this woman, Lorraine Malloy. Is that her name? Yeah, so it, she's Lorraine Wing by marriage, but she's a true true Malloy from Town. so she is absolutely amazing. I wish I could have had her on today, but <laughs> she unfortunately isn't free at the moment. Um, but yeah, basically, Lorraine, at the age of 47, just like discovered after testing and testing that she had MS. And Lorraine's relationship to me is I'm her best friend's daughter, and I'm also engaged to her nephew, so definitely stayed in the family for a lot longer than they thought I'd be. <laughs> Good woman. Um, but after a car accident, unfortunately, in 2009, she was diagnosed with um, multiple sclerosis. Mm. Um, since then, like, her mobility, her restless legs, like, she suffers with discoloration in her feet, she can't drive anymore, she's had to quit her job, um, has just completely lost all her independence. Um, as you've probably seen from the message, we would be quite local, so Bellewstown is, is where we're all from, but yeah. live in Smullen and, and between Drodava as well. Yeah. Um, so she eventually, thankfully, got approved with the help of like her three kids to go and get um, a treatment called HSBT. It's a really, really intensive treatment. They don't offer it over here in Ireland, unfortunately. Um, but it's it's basically thirty days, thirty to forty days. She'll have to go over to Russia, and they'll just completely strip down her stem cells. You know, get all the new blood going in her body, and then it involves chemotherapy as well. So she's going to lose a lot of her hair. She's going to lose like everything, and then has to isolate for six months. Um, so really intense, you know. But it's her last chance at getting her mobility back and mm. getting her walking and possibly even getting her back to work because that's what she just absolutely loves doing. Um, but as you probably know, this comes at a massive, massive cost of mm. fifty thousand euro. It's a lot of money. Um, does include everything. Does include all of her travel. But unfortunately, it's just. I know with COVID and everything that's happened, you know, people are already scraped for cash as it is. Um, and this is why we've set up the, the fundraisers and the GoFundMe's and we have loads in plan and loads of amazing companies have offered, you know, um, little donations for us and vouchers that we have that yeah. you can win. And um, so that's kind of more or less the, the big chunk of it. Um but I have to say, I, I know there's so many people that will say, you know, oh, this person deserves that and this, but I, I just can't describe. Like, Lorraine would give you the last cent out of her purse if, if you were broke. She would, you know, walk to the ends of the earth if she was physically able and possible to do that. That's what she would do. And she's just so deserving of it. And even Michaela, like, I, I'm seeing the struggle. It's, it's really hard with MS for anyone who doesn't know what it is. You, you lose mobility, you lose your motor function, speaking, slurring words, losing sleep, and it just causes massive depressions yeah. in people as well. Mm. And you um, mentioned Michaela there, and I want to tell listeners, Michaela is her youngest daughter, and Michaela is her yeah. mam's carer at the moment, but she's been approved for this, they've told her this treatment will do the business for her, she will walk again, she will get her mobility back, my God, what a gift that would be. 
I know, I know. And like Michaela had to quit her job at 21 to become a carer because it, there was so much like Lorraine not being able to drive to appointments. And obviously now as Michaela's getting older, like even things like when it came to her grad, her mom couldn't go and get her dressed with her, get her makeup done. Lorraine now has, she has three kids. Um, Matthew is the oldest and he is so successful. He is just an absolute pleasure. Danielle has her first baby. She's living over in the UK at the moment. Um, but even things like having her first grandchild, she can't stand and hold um, mm. Molly because she just doesn't have the power. She can't walk with her in her pram. She can't celebrate little things with her. Like it's it's just this is going to be the last opportunity we have so mm. that Lorraine can go and get wedding dresses and go and get her suits for her son and be able to carry Molly. It's not like she wants to get this treatment and her life is, is going to stay the way it is. She wants to just completely change it around. Yeah. But also show people who have MS that, you know, this isn't the end for you guys. This isn't the last, you know, resources you're going to end up, end up bed bound. It's, this is a little hope. We actually do have someone in the family who did go and get the treatment done. And, and he was quite similar. He, he was nearly bed bound and, and now he's out running marathons. Um, so it does work, I know, and and yeah. and Lorraine has uh, been in touch with people who've been through this process, and it's been really, really yeah. successful. So, what are the plans? You need to get the money. Actually, your fund is going well. I just checked it there. It's not that long on the road, and you're over ten k already. You need the yeah. fifty, but look, hopefully, this will uh, bring you more, uh, bring more awareness to Lorraine and her situation. What's the the time frame? When does she hope to get over to Russia? So the time frame at the moment is May 2022. Okay. So we do have time. a lot of time. Yes. 16 days in and we're already a fifth of the way there. Yes. And we, we've always went into this with the intention of knowing, you know, if we don't get the 50k, Lorraine is going to get there regardless. Friends, family, we're all going to help her out. But yeah. it's everybody else helping that is making such a massive difference because... We live in small villages. We we wouldn't be massively well-known like everywhere. So even having that 10K, we have set for the past 16 days, even when I got to 2K or 200 euro, we just sobbed because Lorraine was like, I didn't think people would, would, would like want to help because I'm mm. not known. I'm, I'm not, you know, you see these and especially fundraisers when it's kids, you're like, you want this kid to have her life. And Lorraine has lived such a great life. Mm. But... We just want to get her to the point where she knows I can be 80 and I can hold my grandkids, my great-grandkids and just have that will to, to live that normal life. Of, well, whatever is normal nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, um, at it. we hear what you're saying and I'll tell you this. She hasn't a greater PR person or somebody campaigning for her than you. You're absolutely marvellous. You've really sold the, the story there. Now, before we finish quickly, yeah. the, if people want to, to help, Lorraine to Russia, if you Google that, that's what I did this morning, Lorraine to Russia, and you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, and the GoFundMe is there as well. Yeah, we have literally exhausted all options. We have emails, we have everything. Like anyone who wants to get in contact with me, my number is linked to it. You can just yeah. call, text, anything. And we have so many amazing things that are up for plan. 
you know, even a little insight, we may have or may not have our partners waxing their legs in a, a beer garden soon. So we have so much fun stuff planned that, you know, people can really yeah. see. Well, look, at, I wish you well. And any little push along, we could give it here on LMFM Radio. We're delighted to do so. A Lorraine to Russia. Lorraine to Russia. If you Google that, if you check it out, all the details are there. I wish Lorraine well and you well too. You have time on your side. Lots of things planned. And hopefully her dream will come true and she will be mobile again please God in 2022 Chloe thank you for joining me no worries at all thank you take care of yourself bye bye Chloe O'Neill there after three on late lunch at Dunlear Community Project and my artist of the week Hi, I'm just listening to your chat with Michael Cullen. I'm going to actually get the book because I grew up in Castle Bellingham. I I remember the post office well there and the postmistresses over the years. I'm sure my mam, who's 94 now, will remember them all and a lot in that book. I must ask her uh, because she's 94. Yes, 94, I say again. Her name is Kathleen Conlon. And I'll say hello to Kathleen Conlon in Castle Bellingham this afternoon. And uh, her daughter, it is Rosie, who lives in Dramiskin, has been in touch with me. And she says she still loves reading and it keeps her going and love the show. Thanks indeed for that lovely message. And we've got more messages from people who uh, remember uh, the Cullens in Castle Bellingham as well. And the book today is going to Margaret Riley, uh, A Leaf in the Wind, Matt Cullen's memoir to Margaret Riley this afternoon. But uh, Rosie, get that book for your mum and have a chat with her about it and we wish her well at 94 years young. Now, Oasis, yes, my artist of the week this week. Let me take up the story. The disharmony between Noel and Liam Gallagher escalated through the latter part of the 90s. Liam going AWOL from their US tour in 96, but he rejoined midstream, causing chaos subsequently at the MTV Music Awards at Radio City Music Hall in New York City. Well, listen to this. He slagged off Noel, spat beer all over the stage and stormed off. So bad was the relationship between the brothers that Noel wouldn't actually fly with the rest of the band. He took different flights to venues for gigs and when they came back home to the UK, a split seemed inevitable. But the brothers Grimm reconciled and the show went on. A third album followed for Oasis. But the Gallagher War resumed and the album called Be Here Now unsurprisingly flunked. Paul Arthurs and Paul McGuigan quit the band in early 1999. Yet Oasis, now a three-piece, forged on and put together album number four with new recruits. Standing on the shoulder of giants, it was called, and it saw them back on track with brilliant sales. They topped the charts, album and singles charts alike. So they were back on track uh, with the music anyway. On the back of the uh, success of this album, the boys set off on a world tour, but yet again, tension surfaced, with no leaving mid-tour, but returning for the concluding gigs in the UK and Ireland. What were they like when you think about them? You'd have to say probably genius bordering on insanity would probably sum them up. Today, for our Louise, she's off for a few days at the minute, but for our Louise, I want to dedicate this to her. I'm playing this one. She told me that she preferred Blur in the Battle of the Britpop Bands, but she said, I actually, Jerry, love this one from Oasis. For you, Louise.
of the week oasis on late lunch especially for our louise the one she loves from them even though she was a blur fan anyway more about oasis in words and song on late lunch tomorrow at this particular time now we're heading to our final break of this wednesday afternoon and afterwards we're going to hear about a lovely community project in dunlear so we've always known at dunlear and st bridget's parish in particular is wash with creative people and they've come up with something really lovely joining me to tell me more he's a good friend he's a lecturer in dkit co-director of the center for creative arts who loves to teach play sing and talk about music dahi carney welcome back to the show Thanks very much, Jerry. Great to be talking to you again. Not at all. Well, tell them uh, how creative the community is down there, and many strands have come together to do this. Oh, absolutely. I suppose it all started off when the choir couldn't get back together in the church. I they organ there in the in the church in St Bridges and Dunlear, and when COVID hit, we couldn't sing anymore, and we were missing out on that. And we had an idea. I had written a song for them and we said, we try and record it in isolation. And as I started talking to people, somebody said, wouldn't it be lovely to have some music? I wonder would the lads in the Scraith do something for us? And they got on to Declan there in the Scraith and they were delighted to come on board. And then Pat Roach, he sings in the church as well. And Pat does great stuff with the men's sheds. And he said, sure, the, the men would be delighted to do something for that as well. And then I was chatting to... Uh, Mary Kyo over in the primary school and she said sure we'd be only thrilled to do something with the children and gradually uh, bit by bit more and more people started coming on board so we said we, we'll have to do more with this and Pat said try writing a song too maybe we could record that and we got in touch Creative Ireland and Louth put out the call for funding so we applied for a little bit of funding to get some help to, to do this as well as we could and that allowed us to get two more uh, people involved and that was a local music producer known to the listeners there I'm sure Stephanie Caffrey and also um, a video editor Luke Malone and both Stephanie and Luke are graduates of the programmes in DKIT and film production and music production so they came on board to help us out so over the course of a couple of months we created some tutorial videos we made those available through the parish site and Deirdre there and Father Murta in the parish well, it were great support to get the word out and people could learn the songs on their own. They didn't have to be coming together, which, of course, we couldn't do during COVID. And we had instructions how to record. And I also got a chance to visit the school when the restrictions eased a little bit in June. We managed to do a little bit outside, which you can see in one of the videos. And we had great fun with the, the children who were pop stars for a day. Well, <laughs> well two days. We, we brought in some microphones and they could do it in their, their pods and be isolated and, and we could record the tracks. And we're delighted we've, we've pulled together two videos. So the children also, they're great artists. They drew pictures of their favourite parts of Dunlear and they did a picture all about St. Bridges. And we've included that. And, um, and we did some dancing. We, mm. we got the children in the school to do some dancing as well. So it all came together. And I'm hoping I've left nobody out. I know that other musicians like Brendan McRae or the great piper there with the band Kern, he came on board as well and contributed. And um, the Lola Robinson School of Dancers, of course, Lola has classes out in Dunlear as well. Yeah. And I think it's only when you do a project like this that you realise how all these different yes. groups fit together. They're, they're all there, but we forget that there's yeah. so much. 
Yeah, and that's what struck me about this, where all the strands and all the different aspects of community in Dunlear and the greater area that are there under our noses that we don't really realise, but this thing has brought them all together. Do you know who was listening to you talking there? And I had a visualisation of you as the Pied Piper. Oh, I don't know now. I, I, I have to give credit to all the people who backed me on it. Um, Father Murphy gave great leadership. Uh, when I suggested the idea first, he was very supportive. And then, but, but lots of different people because I think it's the type of project when there's so many involved, no one person can be the Pied Piper. It has to be mm. the pipe band. All right. And, and, and the pipe band goes together. And um, I, I have to say, everybody who came on came on with enthusiasm. We... We knew there were challenges. We've all faced the challenges with COVID over, over the last uh, two years. And um, everybody said, we're going to find the solution. And um, I, I, I was delighted to be kind of, I suppose, linking things together. But certainly couldn't have done it if other people had... Without all that. And, and yes, you're right. It's a, it's a big, big team. But uh, mm. that image will stay with me anyway. And I know kudos has to go across the board. Where can people view the videos? So the videos are on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, the, the easiest way to find them, though, is if you go to the Dunlear Parish Facebook page. So okay. Dunlear Parish on Facebook. Uh, the videos are shared on, on the Facebook page there. And uh, they're great fun. And I know other people are starting to share them. Or if you simply go to, um, to YouTube and you put in the titles either Bridget's Cloak or We Dunlear, you'll get each of those videos and you can you can enjoy them as many times as you want after that. Lovely. Well, we're going to hear Bridget's cloak in a moment. I'll let you go. We're going to finish out with it on the show today. Thank you for joining me and well done to all concerned. Thanks very much, Jerry. Thank you. Not at all. Dahi Carney there from uh, DKIT in the dock. Fantastic man, he really is. Anyway, that's almost a lot on late lunch this afternoon. Magella has been on to say she's listening regardless of not liking Oasis. She couldn't tune away. She just has to listen, loves the show, and she's a soft spot for me. Oh, Magella, it's made me even. Thanks a million. Anyway, tomorrow on late lunch, Niall Hatch, Birds of Prey, he's talking about love Niall every time he's with, with us and I know you love your feathered friends out there and the life and times of Stephen Burns coming up on late lunch tomorrow he certainly has the Midas touch Eddie Caffrey's coming next with the drive thanks to Brian Farley for guiding me all the way today and we will leave you with the uh, one of those songs that have emerged from that wonderful collaboration in Dunlear it's called Bridget's Cloak well done to all see you tomorrow 1.30 There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com weightloss weight loss. That's PlushCare.com weightloss weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.